Okay, so you have sung it. Today I choose to follow you. Today I choose to give my yes to you. Today I choose to hear your voice and live. But I want to know, did you really mean it? You were singing it. We were singing songs of testimony this morning about our commitment, our devotion to our great God. And I guess I would like to ask you a question. You don't have to answer me verbally, but I do want you to answer in your heart. From a scale to 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, where are you? What number would you give yourself in terms of loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your body, with all of your soul? From 1 to 10. And loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart. How about your mind? What about your body? Fearing the Lord your God. Respecting him above all things in your life. Serving the Lord fully. Completely devoted to him. From 1 to 10, what number is lodging itself in your mind or in your heart, fully devoted as a follower of Jesus Christ, whereby he could ask you at this moment to do anything, and you would respond like Mary of old who said, may it be to me, unto me as you have said. Or as Joshua said, as for me... In my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Let me follow that question up with this question. So tell me, why aren't you a 10? Why did you say you were an 8? Or a 7? Or a 6? I'm wondering this morning if you are really finding that uh, you are not able to serve the Lord, your God, with that kind of total devotion, all in, with sincerity and faithfulness, your mind, your body, your thoughts, your actions. I wonder why so many of us have that frustrating feeling that we know God wants more and deserves more. And we're not delivering it. We, would, we know we would be better off if we were more committed, more devoted, more all in. I wonder why so many of us are finding ourselves really tired of powerless living. Of hearing other people tell stories about God in their lives, but not experiencing anything in our lives that's really profoundly divine. I I wonder if it's because you're trying to um, be a dual citizen. I got a seven going with Christ, but I got three going with some other things, some baggage in my life, some stuff. Some stuff that I've been carrying around for a long time. I picked it up a while ago. It's been trailing along with me, some other things, other, other things that I'm depending on, things that I know are there that prevent me this morning from 
automatically thinking 10. Would you open up your Bibles this morning to Joshua 24? Because I think that's the question that Joshua is asking. Are you guys all in? He's asking this of his congregation. Are you all in, totally devoted, following hard after God? I want to bring you a message of hope this morning because God wants you to have that. God, in fact, has saved you to have that. That's, that's what he wants for you. And because God wants it, I believe it's possible for you to have that. I, I think there are a lot of people in the Christianity have been fooling around. It's time to make up your mind. Joshua brings to his congregation this. Starting at verse 14 of chapter 24. And of course, as I've said to you, this is um, his last sermon to his congregation. Probably a million people were gathered there. And Joshua's an old man, maybe 110. He dies when he's 110. It's, not, it's shortly after this. So he may be in his final year when he's preaching this sermon. He's probably speaking like, now fear the Lord, you know. I've been an old man and... I want, you know, he's probably, probably speaking like that. It's probably a long journey, you know. He's standing before the people. And he calls out to them this very, very powerful message. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all. Small word packs a big punch. All faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because... He is our God. Joshua, were you not listening to our praise time? Would you not hear us singing? Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord. He is holy. A holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he's been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Okay, Joshua says, then throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. 
On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. And then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. The message that God laid on the heart of Joshua. That's laid on the heart of myself to bring to you this morning. Father, this was one of those moments when the people of God assembled. That was decision time. You have brought us together this morning, assembled us in the presence of our great God purposefully. It's decision time. We have tracked through and lived in the story of the people of Joshua's time. It's intersected with our lives, pointed some things out to us. We've contemplated, we've reflected, we've prayed, we've sung songs, we've gone home, we've gone to our workplaces, we've come back to be assembled again to choose. Today's a day of choice. Today's a day to choose to be a 10. that's what you want for us. So, Father, I, pay, I pray by the presence and power of the Spirit of God that you would visit us here in our hearts in a powerful, powerful way. We have experienced it already today. You, um, you are taking us very seriously, Lord. I, I know that in my heart. I see that with my eyes. So, Father, I pray today as your word is set before us that we will hear the call of God in our lives, maybe in a new and fresh way. Please help us. Help us to make the right choice, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I look at this text, sort of the question that jumps out at me is, what does God really want from me? What, this, this really is a description of, of what it means to be a really a go-big person. That was a powerful, powerful song that our choir sang to us this morning. That's one of the most amazing songs I have heard in a long time. And, and in, in, in so many ways, that was a song that grows out of the heart of what Joshua said in, in the first part of this chapter, 24 where he lays out for the people, this is the amazing God. The marvelous things that he has done in our midst. He has picked us up. He has rescued us out. He has carried us along. He has taken us. He has given them this amazing rehearsal of the greatness of God. This is who your God is, he says. 
This is no shock to you. This is not a surprise to you. This is not the first time you've heard this. That song was a testimony. It was a testimony of our hearts. It was our own expression offered to us as a, as a gift from the musicians of our church. I, I want to show you very quickly, very simply, I think it's very obvious, three sides of a full commitment to God that, that leap out of this text this morning. What it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ Joshua is laying it out for his people. I'm laying it out for, for the people I love here, you. Are you going to dabble with God? Are you going to dive in, all in? There are many moments like this in our life. Each one is crucial and critical. and This one, I think, is one of those times... The first thing I think he says here is because of all the great things God has done, choose your Lord. That's what he says here. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Serve, choose your Lord. Choose the one who's going to be master in your life. He's setting up for them, this is what it looks like to be totally, completely devoted to God. I'm going to describe, he's, I'm going to describe to you what it looks like, but, but this is a point in your life where you have to decide. If you couldn't answer 10, then you've got something that you need to deal with, and, and, and you're going to choose today who's going to be your Lord. God is sovereign over all things. We know that. But he will not make this choice for you. He will not make the choice of total devotion for you. And by the way, this choice is a real choice, even though it's an unacceptable one. As as Joshua stands before the people, he doesn't want them to choose other gods. He doesn't want them to go in another direction. That's not what he's, he's counting on happening. But it is a real choice. This is not just some major exaggeration. You know, choose other gods as if you could because God won't let you. No, he's saying, listen, this is, a, this is a serious choice. And then he describes what that choice entails. He says, first, fear the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Not small letter lords. Choose Lord Jehovah, fear him. He says, as for me and my household, I'm going to serve capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah God, creator of the universe, maker of the heavens and earth, that God. To fear him. What does that fear mean? It means what and who you respect most in life. It has a look about it. It has a feel about it. It means you trust fully in him. You aren't hedging your bets somewhere. You aren't saying, well, I'm, I'm putting together this sort of nest egg here. It's just in case I have a fallback all the time. No, it means completely all in. I trust God. It means that I'm committed 
to abiding by and living according to his revealed will. What he says to us, what he hear his voice, we respond to that. That's what it means to fear God. That's what it means to, to respect him above all others. All other voices in our lives. It means recognizing an attitude of awe and reverence toward God. It means that I am declaring I am not for sale. I am not for hire. I am not for myself. He mentions to them that the other, about the other gods. And he's reminding them by mentioning that you were rescued out of Egypt. And he reminded them a little bit earlier in his message that, that uh, God has, was presently driving the Amorites out of their presence. And so he's saying to them, um, you want to choo- choose to serve those gods? How was it working for those people when they chose to serve those gods? How did it work for Egypt when they followed you into the Red Sea, serving their gods? How did it go for them? How is it working for the Amorites? I I just sent some hornets into the land to dry them out. I sent little insects with little stingers on them, and I can get rid of those people. How is it working for them? How are their gods taking care of them? Now, you want to go serve them. Have at it. He says, um, not only should you fear the Lord, but here's how it looks to be fully devoted to God. You serve him with all faithfulness. You serve him. He is the one who you love most. He is the one who, who gets your loyalty, your total loyalty. You serve him first. You think about him first. You don't bring into your life anything that remotely resembles an alliance outside of being totally in line with God, totally loyal and devoted to him. The, the word that he uses here for all faithfulness is, the, is really the word of sincere, sincerity or sincerity and faithfulness. It, it means, in fact, that, that you, um, on the outside, who you are and what you do are in complete harmony. That's what it looks like to be fully and completely devoted to God. You don't say one thing and, and act another way. You don't say you believe this, but you act this way. You don't act this way and then claim that you believe that. No, it's, it's in total harmony. It's with sincerity and faithfulness. Now, the word sincere is a combination of two Latin words. And the two words combined actually mean sincere, actually mean without wax. That's the, uh, where the, the word originates from. That is used to describe this Hebrew word referring to this kind of faithfulness, this kind of sincerity, this genuineness. Now, where it developed, this word sincere, was uh, many, many years ago when uh, uh, people were making pottery, great grand pottery, and selling it to each other and speaking in the Latin language. And they they, uh, often, of course, didn't have uh, systems that protect the, the fragile nature of this pottery, and so it would be get cracked or broken and they would patch it together and smooth it over with wax and and uh, get it all back till it looked exactly perfectly and they would try to sell it as something authentic and perfect the thing is when you were to buy pottery back in that old time you would simply hold it up to the sunlight and make sure that that no light was able to come through it anywhere you would turn to the guy and say this isn't sincere 
This has wax. You've been tampering with this thing. This isn't, this isn't good. That's the word that, that he's choosing to use here when he's talking about serving God with all sincerity. It's a genuineness. That's what being 100% to- totally sold out to God looks like. And he says to them, you, you got to throw away your, your gods that you've been tagging along, the things that are, that are causing you to be insincere about what you claim to be. Habits that you picked up in Egypt. You, you've brought some stuff along with you. You've brought some baggage along with you. You got some stuff in your life. It's been hanging around for a long time. You're getting used to it. But God isn't getting used to it, and you know that because you feel it. Brings it up all the time. You got some things you're watching that you shouldn't be watching. You've got some thoughts you're thinking that you shouldn't be thinking. You got those computers. They can take you in really bad places. You got interests, you got ambitions. You got passions with respect to recreation and entertainment. Joshua's looking into the people's lives and saying, You're bringing this stuff with you. God God has taken us to the promise, He's brought us into the promised land, a place where we're going to find the rest of God. It's going to be, we're going to enter in to the fullness of the experience of God and his blessing, turning full face to us. And all that that means. You know what they said to Joshua? We're in. We're all in. You know what they said that day, I think? Joshua, we're all tens. We're all tens. We will serve the Lord. You know what he said to them? You can't serve the Lord. I can just hear the deflation going on. What? What was the point of this exercise then? Why did you bring us out here in this big assembly in the presence of God and tell us all the amazing things that God has done for us? And we're agreeing. Yeah, he's done some amazing things. He's rescued us. He saved us. He's bringing us into the land. He's growing us. And now you're going to tell me that we can't serve the Lord? You are not able to serve the Lord, verse 19. You don't seem to know who it is you're dealing with. You've been playing games. You've been fooling around. Do you not understand, he says? He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. And if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you. And after he has been good to you, do you not understand that, that, that because of your tendency to make 
emotional flippant choices and promises. Oh yeah, we're a 10. We're serving God. We're serving God as 10s. Count us in. Do you not realize that, that you need to count the cost of who God really is? What he really wants? See, the major problem that they... Um, had not addressed, I think, in their lives was their temptation and tendency still to believe that they could make this choice and pull it off in their own strength. That's what happens to us. We hear something, we say, yeah, I'm in. Lord, I am going to resolve. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not thinking that anymore. I'll fix this thing. I'll fix it. And Joshua said, you, you, don't, you don't get it. First of all, you don't understand how big a deal this is. You don't understand how big a deal God is. And you don't understand what he thinks of this thing. And you are not strong enough to pull this off. He says, God is a holy God. You understand what that means? It means he is He is." Other than us, he is, he is not the same as his creation. He is the one who exists in unapproachable light. He is a holy God. His character is perfect. He can't hang out with sin. And he's personally insulted by those people who are unimpressed by him. If it isn't wow, it, it isn't acceptable to God. If, if my attitude isn't wow, God. And, and the carts that I see you guys dragging around behind you, Joshua says, that you pulled from Egypt and you're pulling into the promised land, that tells me that you've missed the point about how holy God is. You guys are way over your head with this assignment. The enemy is powerful. Your ability to govern your desires and your passions is pathetic. Not only is he a holy God, he says he's a jealous God. Not not in a bad way. He's not a malicious, jealous God. He's a God who, um, who is constantly zealous for his honor. It consumes him. Because he is worthy of it. He is the holy God. He is the honorable God. He is the great God. And and he has shared his glory with us. He has brought us into his family. He has has placed the, the Holy Spirit within those who follow Jesus Christ. He is displaying us before all of the universe and all the beings of the universe and saying, Observe my people. They bring me honor. Except when we don't. And he gets really jealous about that. That the demons would be able to cackle in the heavenlies. Why would you redeem those people? They're not serving you wholeheartedly. 
They're hanging out with all kinds of stuff. In fact, uh, okay, fine, you know what? We'll give Jesus, we'll give you the the 70% because we got 30% of them. We we got 30%, 20% of every Christian's attention. He cannot tolerate rivals. He loves us so much. God is insulted by the unimpressed. The antsy and the apathetic need not apply. You know what? If you're looking at your watch saying, I got to get out of here, you know what? I can't take any more of this. That bothers God. Those who enjoy courting rivals, God will not be too timed. He wants exclusive rights to your life all the time. And then he throws this at them, and wow, this caught me off guard. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Other than the fact it hadn't been written when Joshua was preaching this sermon. Is God a God who stops forgiving? Um, Joshua wants his people to know something, and I want you to know it. Forgiveness from God is a gift, not a right. It's grace. We we sometimes live with the idea that, well, God is obligated to forgive me because that's who he is, so I can do whatever I want. I can go on sinning and I, I can harbor this thing in my life. You know what? I come to church, people think I'm really cool and I'm all clean and all of that, and I got this thing going on. You know what I do? I just go home and say, hey, sorry, God. But I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'm going to say sorry again, and I'm going to do it the next day. And it's God's job to forgive me. Joshua says, do not take the grace of God for granted. It says in 1 John 3, if you continue to sin, You have not, you do not know Christ. You have not even seen him. And so he points out to him, this is a serious business. Don't don't be quick to say, I'm in, I'm a 10. I'm going to pull this off on my own strength. You haven't been able to do it so far. You haven't been doing a really great job. He says, listen, God is a holy God. He's a jealous God, and he's not going to forgive you if you have this attitude that I can just take God's grace for granted. You think that a holy and a jealous God can give some sort of approval and just turn the other way and ignore your rebellion, your sin, and the fact that you're tagging along all this baggage and garbage in your life? The gods that you hauled from Egypt? No. See, part of our biggest problem is we want relief from the pain of our sin. But we don't really want to get rescued from our sin. 
because we kind of like it. We enjoy some of it. We think it's no big deal, and we're into it. You choose to sin, you choose to suffer. Make sure sin is not your choice. Hey, you know what? We fall into sin. Sin overtakes us. We are constantly in a battle, a spiritual battle. It's not as if we can become sinless. It's the simple difference between a high-handed attitude toward our sinfulness. We know we've got stuff and garbage in our lives, and we're not dealing with it. That kind of sin is different. We're choosing that kind of sin. We're choosing to keep it. And it prevents us from being a 10. You can't say you're a 10 if you've got some stuff going on. You can't. And they got the point, I think. The people said, no, we're hearing you. We're hearing you. We really want to serve God that passionately. We really do. And so let me conclude this morning by saying this. The third reality here is because our natural tendency is to procrastinate. I'm going to call you to act this morning upon your choice. And some things have got to go. We had a really powerful time this morning with the congregation before. We're all the same congregation, you know. The same God who works in their hearts is working in all of our hearts because I think he's really taking us seriously because we're taking him seriously. As we close the service this morning, I just put it out to the, um, to the beloved who were here and made a point that um, Joshua asked them to commit right then. And he set up a memorial. And he said, this memorial is going to be a witness. A witness with each other that this is what you've committed to. I um, invited them to choose today like the songs we sang already. Choose today who you're going to serve, who you're going to fear. Choose today what has to go in your life. What is your strange God? What's too noisy for you to hear the voice of God? What's a sinful habit that's been allowed to be in your life? What, what is it that you've been hauling along that is preventing you from being a 10? And what I invited the people to do is simply this, to find a piece of paper, tear off the bulletin thing, find something in front of you, something you've got in your person, and write that thing, whatever it is, that is keeping you from being 10, you said, oh, you know what? I didn't say I was a 10 only because I wanted to be humble. No, no, you know what? 
God is not looking for humility in this thing. He wants total, full-out, complete devotion and commitment to him. And he wants you to be able to say you're a 10. I'm going to invite you as we... um, I'm going to close in prayer. And um, Carol's going to play for us, I think, or Steve or somebody. Carol. And... I'm just going to invite you in, in, in the prayerful time that we have as we're closing this down to take whatever it is and say, you know what, today I am giving this to the Lord. I haven't been able to, I, I can't deal with this myself. It's been dogging me. It's hanging out with me. I know it's what's preventing me from being, entering into a full commitment to Christ and, and knowing what it is to experience the blessing of God and the power of God in my life and to see what it is to live God's stories and, and to experience all that God has for me. I know this is the thing. And I want to give it to God. I want to turn this into an altar this morning. I want to bring this as an offering to God and say, this is it. Lord, I am committing myself to choose you and not choose this. And I want you to strengthen me and help me and enable me to say no to this. Actually, turn from it. He said, throw away. This is a throwaway. This, this right here, this collection of papers, this is the throwaway. Throw away this stuff. This morning. If you don't do it this morning, you'll procrastinate. And you know what? It'll be hanging around till the next time a sermon like this is preached. Father, you have been so good to us. Rescuing us from the slave market of sin. Giving us eternal life. And in return, inviting us to fear and serve and love with our hearts and obey a most magnificent and gracious God. This is not a call to serve a a hard, dictatorial God who is heartless and mean. This is a call with arms open wide from a kind heavenly father who has given his son that we might have this and invites us to come. It's a God who wants to fully bless us. Wants to turn fully toward us. But there's some stuff that is preventing him from doing that because he can't condone the stuff that messes up our lives. Lord, there are people in here who have been fighting some stuff for years, some really, really bad news stuff. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we are going to say goodbye to all of that stuff and we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua put forth a call to the men of his congregation to step out for God and lead their families to fear God, to serve him, to love him, to honor him, to be men of sincerity, faithful. Lord, may that be the case in our congregation. Men who will say, as for me and my house, we're all in, Lord, we're all in. 
So, Father, this is an offering of throwaway to you. This is the stuff we want to throw away. It's, it's in between. It's preventing us from being a 10. Loving the Lord with all our heart. Something else has got our heart a little bit. With all our mind. We've we got some other things, Lord, we've been thinking about that are not honoring to you. With all our body, we, we've been engaging in some stuff, Lord, that we know is poisonous to our spiritual lives. With all our soul, trusting and believing, Lord, that you are who you say you are. Lord, so, Father, this morning, as your spirit moves in the lives and hearts of these people, specifically, they're going to come forward and throw some things away. And then they're going to go from this place, choosing to serve the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah God, Yahweh, the only God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You come.